Radio V. Radio in TV. Radio in TV. Michaels and a brisk and this is the MILF code that you're watching how is everybody doing how are you today Susanna I'm doing quite well you are looking particularly milfish today might I say it might be uh, the the dewy uh, sweat that is on my face because it's been so hot here in Los Angeles well moms who scrub up pretty well mm -hmm. just doesn't sound as good as MILF right right but it's a little bit more right. accurate yeah, that is very true. We have a lovely guest. I'm so excited. Delightful we guest. We were brainstorming over who can we invite on the on the uh, podcast, and that I sounds more like panicking than brainstorming. But no, it's no, because we get so excited about it. We get you know, like, so who, excited. Who, who oh can we my talk God. to? That's totally cool. And uh, so I invited <laughs> Melinda Hill here. We yay, Melinda. Hi, Melinda. How are you? Hi, Melinda is She's a got it very, all. very funny and talented comedian, and you are all over the place, my friend. I mean, like when I looked you up on the internet, there is so much going on. I've read cool things that by the LA Examiner, you were called the queen bee of chat room comedy. What is chat room comedy? Uh, I think it's more like storytelling comedy. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, all right. And uh, and then I was reading, and I know that uh, Suzanne actually read some of it, of your book. When did you write a book? I didn't write a book. I thought this was a book, The Accidental Bisexual. No, oh. it's a comedy special. Oh, that's your comedy It's about how special. she fell into a pie on the street and ended up in the scissor position with another girl. She wrote that, by the way. Are you serious? Yes. Can actually, you tell me the story that behind joke, that? joke, I have to credit to Tom Giannis. Um, really? For writing that joke. See, you are the anti-fat Jewish. <laughs> we both are, because I just said your joke, credited you, and you then credited someone else. Tom Gian is a very good joke writer, uh -huh. and he punched punched that up. The, he, the scissor joke is completely his. I forgot all about that. I haven't thought about that in years. No, that really? was actually a, a live show that I did that we turned into uh, a live a recording, a record. So you're saying what do they you call have it now a record? A so CD? I'm I'm sorry. I want to make this clear. It's out on eight track. Did and you beta. accidentally fall and scissor with a girl? <laughs> That's my question. I need to I understand know. if you've actually banged chicks. I just no, need no, to know no, that. No, no, no. I don't need to know oh, that. Oh, I do. Okay. You gals get right into it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> we didn't plan just to. But I mean, look. There's a seed of truth in every joke, right? Right. So what was the original joke before he punched it up, before the pie and the scissoring? I honestly did that story so long ago. Oh. I don't even remember. We've picked her, like, least favorite. I, I know we did two versions because uh -huh. the record company, Stand Up Records, wanted to, they wanted a long version and, and a shorter version. So they decided to call it the accidental bisexual, I think it was part one, and then they called it accident, accidental bisexual, uh, part two, buy harder. <laughs> <laughs> and that was completely Dan who owned right. his idea to call it buy harder. Right. So Honestly, I mean, we did it so long ago, and I wasn't even thinking when I recorded it that it would be an album. I was just doing a show. Right. And then uh, we turned it into 
an album. I have to admit, when I was a young girl, I used to have a Ken and Barbie doll when uh -huh. I was very young. Sure. And my favorite thing in the whole world is to take off their clothes and make them scissor. <laughs> <laughs> then my mom would knock on the door and I'd throw it under my bed. And then one time I didn't, I, <laughs> I forgot about it. And then three years later, my mom found it and was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. I just wanted to see them scissor. I never thought these stories were true. What was? Penthouse Forum. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're all true. I'm sure they're all true. We were talking today earlier when uh, uh, Susanna was researching you, and we pulled up uh, some videos and stuff. <clears throat> and, and then Susanna's like, Melinda Hill is really friggin' driven. Like you. Yes, we're very impressed by you. Yeah. Basically. Thank you. And I watched all your. Because <laughs> she's so cute. Can't handle it. I, I watched all of your romantic encounters thing today. I got I got addicted, dare I say, and um, because a few of my friends were in them as well, and it was just uh, it's just it's wonderful. And you jumping out of a birthday cake in Can the boardroom. Can we board actually room. show that clip? Could do we yeah, have that? Yeah, we have the clip right here. It's so fucking good. It's so funny. Thank you. Look how beautiful you look. There she is. <laughs> I don't think it's cute hey, up to the cake. Hey, boy. Hey, beautiful. Last yeah. night was so hot. Look at when Brian Callen. He's I so awesome. Hurts. How did you... Oh. Is it 8 o'clock already? When I'm did you shoot these? I'm always doing this. 2012. Go oh, wow. And then I read that French uh, French TV channel Hi, actually bought to that a your web series. Will be delivered to Michael and uh, it's on French TV day. now. Welcome to Stickham. Yeah. It's airing as a Delivery. TV series. Wow. That is so cool. Isn't that cool? I guess I get, it's funny because you That's think about social dating mores in different countries. and this must here it comes, by the way. French. Oh. We wanted to hear the, French we wanted to see the cake. Jake in the, in the control room is yes, looking no, we like, just, we were talking there about we go. That. There it is. Yeah, so essentially, Sorry. think of a pane of glass, rain, maybe a dog, Sorry. it's a, the whole fall thing, so we'll figure it out, like a lab or something. And, Michael, um, you better take off your pants, because I am coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> fly like a mythical. <laughs> Unicorn, in honor of the day yeah, you were born. Yeah, that never gets old. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I don't uh, let me ask you a question. When the moment blue. before you, had you ever come out of a cake before, by the way? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, when I, I made the first three um, uh, episodes with T.J. Miller, Kirk Fox, and Taylor Negron. Uh, yeah. The favorites, too. Yeah. What, uh, you have great taste in co-stars, that's for sure. Yeah. And we made those very, just like with my friends, very down and dirty fast, and then raised money to make the, the remaining uh, six episodes. So that's what you see here is the, that's episode one in the six-episode arc, whereas the first three are more standalone. But when I started writing those six episodes, we'd raised the money, and now people expected us to make um, the series, which was really, really, really generous. So many people were generous mm -hmm. and, con and contributed to that. But that's when I had, I started writing the series and I had an, the image just popped in my head of a giant cake. Uh -huh. You know when you're writing, I yeah. don't know if you guys get those those images and those. Yeah, it's like I'll a download. Like, yeah. I'll get like a an image and then I just write around it. And I had this image of this 
cake and just trying to surprise this guy um, and finding out that he was married in front of his whole office of people. <laughs> oh, wow. And I just envision this like really uncomfortable, painfully awkward scene. And then I wrote around that. And then I envisioned like at the end of the episode that we would, so a group of skateboarders would, I would be crying and have to, having to take Ugh. my cake back to the car, you know, uh-huh. because I had rented it. And then this group of skateboarders would like, be like kicking it and it would float, you know, roll down the street. But that was of course too expensive to do so well we just had the <laughs> we just had me crying in the elevator with the and cake. did the unicorn come in the image like was the unicorn part of the original image because to me if you're going to pop out of a cake I know I to know. a guy who already has a wife being dressed as a unicorn is you know just adds that little touch to it I always, I always think when I watch it god what what is that moment even you're if you're shooting it down and dirty where you're inside the cake and you're like I'm about to pop out of a freaking <laughs> cake like, was there that moment when you were crouching in it where you're just like, what the heck, Melinda? What the heck? Well, good questions. Um, the unicorn actually came about when we were like, um, we were thinking of like maybe a sexy outfit. Somebody would jump out of a cake in a second. And then we thought what would be funnier is if she thought she was being sexy, but it was this really stupid, like the stupidest outfit we could think of. Like right. a unicorn would be so cheesy. And then we found this amazingly stupid outfit on Hollywood Boulevard with like a rainbow hair and like matching rainbow like leg warmers that day the day of the shoot itself was a very crazy day crazy production day why um well you know how all productions are crazy but um this one we there was a fire a guy got hit in the head um there was I lost my phone my phone fell in the toilet um, Sounds like a normal day of production, really. Exactly. <laughs> um, but we woke up to, you know, the, the my director stayed on my couch because it, it would be easier. We had six shoot days, and they were very long, like 20-hour mm-hmm. days. And he was like, I'll just stay here. It'll be easier. We'll drive together. He stayed on the couch. The We had shot in my place um, the week before. And so art department had left all these boxes over my heating vent, and when we woke up, my whole place was engulfed in smoke because I turned the heater on. It was a floor heater, and the pla- it was, like, this close to going up in flames. Nothing like starting the day with a right. fire. Right. And it was, like, 4 a.m. It was dark outside, and I was like, Adam, wake up, wake up. And, you know, I, like, threw these boxes in the sink, and, like, we had to leave because it was so smoky. And we were like, where are we going to go? It's 4 a.m. I lived in Los Feliz. We walked up the street, and... Um, got coffees and walked back and then it was like had subsided a bit and we just drove to set and from there it was like this whole long day we had Brian Callen we had all these things happening and by the end of the day um we shot the cake thing and we only had like two takes by that point we just had to get out of there well, I by mean, the way in 2012 the the unicorn thing was still like a crazy idea but now all the Not girls are dying their hair rainbow right yeah. no, it's very yeah. in vogue and it you're in out. adventure time and you you have a voice in adventure time which i love that show and it's one of my kids favorite shows and you're one of the princesses in um adventure time and she i almost went which as princess her. by the way are you in adventure time good question well i love adventure time too it's a great show i play um dr princess dr Uh princess it's really more of a doctor than a princess um princess is just a surname as she says um (laughs) and i'm also frozen yogurt princess and i'm also (laughs) crab princess it talks like that 
Oh, I love and Crown Princess too. Oh, I love those characters. I did wow. a few more this week, but um, I can't talk about them yet because that's. Uh, Let me ask this me. question because I've, uh, although we've met a couple of times, I've never actually sat and had a conversation with you, and I want to know. How did you get into comedy? Everyone has their different path, and I don't know what your path is at all. Well, that's a great, that's a wonderful question. I want to know how you gals got into. I was a well, stripper we and go met on. a comedian. <laughs> that's how I got into really? it. Yes, yes, yes. I was angry and 17 years old. We'll be back with more. No, no, they're the, but how did you, what, when did you actually start uh, comedy? What year? I started comedy, I'm, gonna, I'm so terrible with years, but it's been at least 10 years now. And I was actually trying to be a serious actress. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to, let's get back to that sure. story because we're going to go to break because I really want to hear. Because uh, uh, I always find it so fascinating. Everyone's How did you path. become the unicorn that but we see before us that's today? That's exactly right. I know. This is. I'm Zoe Williams. And I'm Dr. Mark Goulston. I'm Jeff Brown. And we make up the Zoe What Morning Show. You can find us here on TRadioV.com every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I make you think. He makes you laugh. And if I get a chance, I'll help you change. Or make you cry with his attempts at humor. Radio in TV. Can you relate? We'll make it happen. Look at Jeff. What you doing? Were you mumbling to yourself? He no. back there mumbling. To them. To them. What it do is your man Money B from Digital Underground asking everybody to check out the Going Way Back show. Your home for classic hip-hop. Raw and uncut. Join me. And me, DJ Always. As well as Ty Teasy bringing you the old school new news. Every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here. On T-Radio V. That's right. Radio MTV. Check it out, y'all. We back in the building. What's yes, going on? sir. What it do? We got some super guests, super special guests up in the place, in man. In the building, we got all five live in the building. Bone Thugs in the building, all everybody. Five yeah, we here. We house. up in here. Tonight, y'all. Not what's good. going on? Hey, what's man, I had, I had to come see what this TV radio one, y'all, what this all about. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> hey. We got game on the line. Game, what's going down, baby? What up? What up, baby? What's Double. going on? Oh man, we got EPO Double Who's this on the phone with us? Yo, what up, man? It's Akon. Oh, Akon what in the building. Oh, Who is this on the line? It's Be Real. We got oh, Be Real. Be oh, Real. Yeah. What is we got on the line? This is Ty Dollar Sign right here. What up, Ty? Dollar Sign in the building. Thanks to all the fans for stopping by. The Quick Fix with Crazy Ball, right here on T Radio V. So get your hand out of your pants, because I am going to introduce our next guest, and I'm very excited to have him. He is a Major League Baseball star who was in 17 teams over 11 years. That's a lot of teams. You've got to flip was, around, but that's... 
it's cool. He was in 11 teams over <laughs> 17 years. That would have been a record the other way, but. Would it? I really? Think so. What do you think 17. it's the most teams that anyone's ever been on? I think uh, a team, former teammate of mine, Mike Morgan, played for 17 teams. But I think it was over 20 years, so. Well, please wow. welcome yeah. Royce Clayton. <laughs> yes. Not Thank the you. other guy he just mentioned. No, no. Not Royce much. Clayton, who was also an all-star, who was had incredible statistics as a shortstop, whose kids played Little League with my <laughs> kids. Most important. Most, Most important. important role as my kids, one of my kids' assistant coaches. Only in Malibu do you get someone who is actually in the major leagues to just wow. toss the ball around with your kids. Right. It's like unbelievable. They have no idea. They're so entitled. They have no idea. Do you how coach they are. your kid's team? I do. I help out. Uh -huh. I, I coach. I, I made it a habit not to be the manager. It's too hands-on. It's too intense. It's too much work. Yeah. But uh, I do, I do uh, assist as an assistant coach. I have a question. Uh, to since you're a father who coaches the team mm -hmm. it seems like when the fathers coach the team if you if your kid is on the team and and the father is too lazy to coach the team <laughs> that your kid doesn't get to play all the sweet spots if you know what i'm saying is that true Royce? daddy bowl no, no, daddy no, no, bowl we actually, call it there's a name actually, for it actually yeah we we uh we stress more so not being as active as a coach as mm -hmm. a father because I think when I came up it was more like volunteers and it wasn't personal and we didn't have daddy ball because there mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of coaches that whose sons were on the team so we're trying to push the league in that direction and get rid of daddy ball so it's actually the opposite way where I think it works out better. What you also need to know about Royce is that he's married to an Olympic athlete so Whoa. genetically Jeez. I always tell him your kids are genetically <laughs> engineered to be they're so athletic. It's like I go, I go, dear. You, when your kids fall down, is there like wiring underneath? <laughs> yeah. It's like so. Regardless, they're going to get to play a lot, regardless of who coaches. Wow. That if if that's true of parents genetically giving them the best gift they have, my kids have no shot. Is <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying. My kids genetically will know where you know the. The, what is that called? The thing on the bong that you have to hold the hole? <laughs> the shoddy? The sh is that what they call <laughs> it in Australia? Yeah. yeah. You don't call it there? The no. little hole? No. Uh -uh. Oh, well, let's just hope my kids get my, my uh, ex-husband's emotional stability and my intelligence. Oh, that would be lovely. Because <laughs> if that they get the lovely. reverse, then they're fucked. Oh, Barry's um, a good guy. Actually, I saw him in the at Vintage Market this morning. How ironic is that? It's really not that ironic. Moving it forward. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Come on. Let's not talk Let about me. other people I used to be married to. Let me ask you a Let's question. It's fine. Um, it's not acrimonious. I, I was okay. reading all up about you, and then I read this really funny little fact, and I was like, I wonder how he feels about that that oddly you are now considered 100 of the oldest living pro players <laughs> and when i read that i was like oh that's gonna be a cold bowl of chili but then the you're you're living. you're one of that's the impressive. 100 of the uh, uh right. of the oldest living pro players but it made me think and i wanted to ask both of, both of you this question so i know that sounds insane i never had that brought up but that's interesting that's fact. interesting that's right talk about that because you both really are in careers melinda is a wonderful comedian where there kind of can be a shelf life and and how does when you're in the middle of a career you had a wonderful career mm -hmm. was that always a great concern for you and also for for you i mean you were doing so well but it like for me i'm a comedian i'm i'm getting you know in five to ten more years i might age out and and did you 
did that like overwhelm you when you were in the middle of playing or worried about your retirement or worried about what's life going to be when this goes away for you? No, I was actually on the other end of the spectrum. I was played 17 years. I, would, I had one more goal, which was to win the World Series and was traded to the Red Sox, which gave me the opportunity in 2007. So after amazing, that, I was running yeah. out of excuses to tell Sam why I was going to keep playing my wife. But uh, actually, I was ready. I was actually blessed with that. Lived out my career, did everything I wanted to do. After that, that was it, and I was ready to, to retire. But it's interesting you brought up that point about the stat of Otis living 100 or whatever. That's yeah. so that's, there's bizarre. There's not that many of us. That's not that that's many what of I us. Thought. I thought yeah. there would yeah. be that. I thought that's just there would an be honor so to be many like, more. No, there's not that many active, there's not that many Major League Baseball players in the world. So mm -hmm. if you think about that, it's like, okay, I, I get that. There's not that many. Um, you know, active players or former players in the world period. So it's right. not a, yeah. It's interesting when you think about yourself in a statistic like that because as far as women, if you think, who are the, other than comedic actresses, who are the 100 top female stand-up comedians? Well, you know, a bunch of them are sitting at this table, but when you start, <laughs> because you go through life thinking, oh, every day's I'm just working, working, you know, working to live, not live to work, just trying to get through life. And then when you actually sit there and go, wow, out of 100 women in this country, I might w be one of the funniest ones. You know, I mean, it's, when you start looking at your life in that way, it's, I feel like it's a, it's very uplifting, it's, you know. Well, isn't that the good thing, Melinda, about being a comic as opposed to having to be an ingenue, is that as a comic, you're allowed to age even if you're a, uh, you know, I mean, you started doing comedy, you know, you've always, you know what they talk about, that pretty comedian thing. It's like nobody wants to fucking talk about it. It's like the elephant in the room. But I think it's less pressure to age when you're a comic, just not just like an actress, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, as long as you're creating your own stuff, there is no, I mean, there. look at Lily Tomlin, um, Betty Davis, just those two. There's like so many people like thriving. Um, I love when people like Meryl Streep, yes, I own my snort. Um, I love when people like Meryl Streep are like, uh, well, not, not her, because she's a goddess. Oh, no one shall approach her. But I love when older, the, the three older actresses who are working are like, there's plenty of roles for women. And you're just like, well, for you. I think as long as you're creating your own stuff, though, there are always rules for you. And, you know, um, I, I think this, this, this idea that you haven't accomplished enough and you're about to age out is something that, that people fall for, but you don't need to. I mean, I remember thinking that when I was eight. And then I, was, <laughs> you know, I was in second grade. Look at age out of second grade. My teacher was like, you're very talented. You should write a book. And then I was like, yeah, I'll be the youngest published author. And I didn't end up accomplishing that goal because yeah. I didn't know how to write a book. And I would write on page two and then on page 73 and, and I never, and I was like, I failed. And you know, that's just a lie, I think, at any age. You and I were the same kind of eight-year-old. I could see that. I think, yeah, you, you, you know, you work with what you have where you're at. Nobody's too old to do that. Hmm. I uh, Then I was reading and, and I found this very interesting in an interview. Uh, where someone asked you on your during your playing career, much of it came during the steroid era, and I loved your answer where you said, I don't look back with any regrets. I played my ass off. I never cheated anybody. Uh, people can say whatever. I know I'm not going to, to the Hall of Fame. Really? You're not going to go to the Hall of Fame? Like, I was on the ballot, and that yeah. was like, you know, that was an honor because the other guys, the 
other 90% were guys that cheated the game. So. Maybe that's yeah. why you're that one era. of the oldest players, because the ones who use steroids are dying off early. Well, there may be something to that. I'm not <laughs> saying that's death. But, <laughs> right, know. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, that was I'm something I'm very proud of is to play clean. And as a matter of fact, uh, Samantha and I both have that in common. She ran the Olympics as a clean athlete. And the most important thing to me was be able to look my kids in the eye and tell them, this is what I did. This is my career. And I didn't cheat myself, nor did I cheat the game. So, uh, you know, Hall of Fame is great. And I'm not taking anything away from that. But uh, if, if that's what I had to do to, to propel myself to get there, then I wasn't going to do it. Because I think it's very uh, easy to want to always take a shortcut. Like I felt like in my comedy career I had this moment uh, where I was doing a few sitcoms here and there. And then I posed in Playboy and because I, I thought, oh, maybe that will propel uh, propel me in some uh, direction or get me more of an audience mm. but it was actually a cheat like I feel like I kind of cheated myself when I did that I enjoyed the experience but then there's a one hand where you're like oh it's a cheat because I'm doing this and it's kind of the easy sleazy way to go about it but then there's this other side of the argument of I really love that I went through the process of being in Playboy and I'm just using that as an example mm. you know what I mean where so you think I should st stop taking steroids <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that what you're saying but I'm just saying like you know, it's uh, an interesting thing where people, not interesting, but they did take steroids. Some people did. And for the fact that part of the adventure in life is going through the process of learning how to make mistakes or learning uh, your lessons from mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and but not all of us get to leave this life with a championship ring. I'm just that's saying. Your, are you wearing your championship ring? Uh, no. no. He's not egotistical you, enough to wear it every day. Where do you, do you ever much. wear it anywhere? Very no. rarely. Every Very once in a while to the car wash, you're like, I need yeah. to show some photos <laughs> what's up. Nothing. Never wear it anywhere? No. Just to events or something like that, yeah. but very rarely. It's embarrassing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll be back. Nothing embarrassing about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty fantastic if you ask me. and you are watching T Radio V. Do you see what I'm saying? It's television crossed with radio. It's all together. It's weird. Radio's in the middle of it. I, it's amazing. You're watching it. Go. Love and marriage. Love and marriage. T Radio V. What did you play opposite Andy Herrick? Do you remember? Uh, Andy and I worked as uh, two employees at a network. Okay. Oh, you're and forgetting the other I, thing. I played, I, played, I played a news anchor and... You played a reporter. Okay, but the other thing you did, the thing you did on the Andy Dick show, who did you play to Andy? Oh, uh, is, is that to play my sister? You played his wife, Denise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you played his wife. Yeah, so what's wrong with that, Eliza? Yeah. Nothing's wrong with it. He's got a great range as an actor. It, you know? Yeah, it just was funny. Encounters with Eric and Eliza Roberts, Wednesdays from 2 to 4 p.m. on T Radio V. Hey, I'm Dean Cain, and you are watching T Radio V. I'm watching it too. Right now. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs>
A lot of things I want to talk about uh, this week. And one of the things is I am so sick of everyone being so politically correct. Is anyone else with me on that? I'm so with you on that, yes. Um, I don't know if you read the story, baseball-related story about Kurt Schilling and the comment that he made when he was... Can we put that image up on the screen? The, uh, the, he's, he hosts the Little League World Series, or he did <laughs> before this tweet. Now, yeah. I despise... Okay. You know, I, I feel like with me personally, I always feel like I want freedom of speech only for people who agree with me. <laughs> but then I realize that's probably not the point of freedom of speech. Um, but it's 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 like there's such a difficult line with the political correct correctness in this country. Um, the Duke University students who didn't want to read the Alison Bechtel book because they felt it violated their Christian beliefs. Like, where where does it end? Well, that's an interesting yeah. one. I don't know if you guys knew this about uh, the Duke University student who didn't want to re read that book. It wasn't that he didn't want to read it. It was a graphic book, and there is very graphic, you know, like little vaginas in it and all that oh, kind of stuff. Oh, not and he little said, vaginas. I know, I know. In college. God forbid a college <laughs> student should see a vagina. But my question is, how does a guy like that even get into Duke? Like, how do you even write your letters that you write to, to the colleges? Uh, and, and why would Duke even want someone that's not even open-minded to be at their college isn't the whole purpose of going to university is to surround yourself with different ideas you don't have to embrace them to me it's like read the book and then complain to your professor why you shouldn't have to read the book but you have to read the book am I wrong about that I mean well how do you guys feel because you're both very uh, outspoken kind of people and when you get to a point where you're working with networks or mm -hmm. giant corporations that back these teams, mm -hmm. like how are you supposed to still say what you think but then kind of toe the line? It's tricky, right? Yeah, absolutely. I call it free dumb of speech. You got to be damn dumb to say some stupid <laughs> ass shit like that. I mean, if you want to keep your job, if you're in, you know, like you said, corporate America, you have to be politically correct. I was on Fox and I said something about uh, incident this kind of flashed up and uh, you know giant uh, fan grabbed a bat and was run out the stadium I said well he better run quick and they referred to the guy getting beat down in Dodger Stadium and I you know got some heat for that it's just like I wasn't thinking about that but they tied it into what happened in the past and all these different things but you you have to be cognizant and you know that you're part of that big animal and if you don't want to deal with it, step away and be on a podcast and say what you want to say and be your own boss. But I think that's that's what I feel is free, re, real liberation is not being tied down to a big corporation. And then you have freedom of speech. Otherwise, you will get fired and you will get fined and embarrassed. Like to me, it's embarrassing what they're doing to Kurt Schilling. He's being slapped on the wrist and put in a corner for saying something that, you know, I guess he truly felt. Why? What do you think should have happened? I mean, if, if this is freedom of speech, they hired a guy to speak freely. And, you know, Twitter and all this stuff is, is bad. I mean, well, that's, that's the first part. That's, Social media that's is... That's the first is, problem. It's yeah, like... Uh, you have to be careful. Th there was someone that wrote a thing about Amy Schumer, about Amy Schumer, because she did the jokes about, uh, I date a Hispanic guy, uh, uh, but not anymore because uh, consensual or something like that. And someone kind of called her out 
on being a racist. And one person made a point to me <laughs> about Come on. no, no, about yeah. the fact of you mm. know when she first wrote that joke two years ago, society was in, in a slightly different place. But the problem is, is when you're saying something because social media is so fluid, it can change so fast. You yeah. might be saying something kind of innocent, or you're not understanding the whole thing, or, and then yeah. before you know it, it has this whole different connotation going on with it. Well, you because know? context is everything, and people right. love to just broadcast things without their context. And I mean, I worry that, uh, you know, I will not be able to talk about fucking as much as I do um, if I ever get tired, you know, because I'm not media trained. Like, I'm not one of these people. I will say the wrong thing. Like, you can almost guarantee it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like it's it's like, how do you still maintain your your artistic creativity and and still say what you want to say? I'm looking at you because I know. I know. Yeah, we can see what you you do. Sets on Ferguson. I've seen you do. Correct right now. (laughs) Because I've seen you do sets on Ferguson. I've seen you do comedy sets on network shows where you're still following your comedic voice and you're still authentic on stage, but you're not upsetting the censors. You know, thank you for saying that. I I think yes, there is a responsibility. I I think um, my parents were. Catholic, but they weren't like enforcing it to the to the level where they were like, don't say bad words. And so I grew up with a very freedom, you know. I, I honestly, and then coming into comedy and and theater and everything like that, and then being a voracious reader, I never encountered anybody being offended by anything I was saying. And I wasn't going out of my way to be offensive. I'm not a shock comic or anything by any means, but if something absurd popped in my mind, I didn't refrain from saying it, and if it got a good response, it stayed in the act, and if it got on TV, then great, and there have been some things that didn't get on TV. I only ran into it when, and I try to remember, you know, I have to have a responsibility when I'm tweeting and and stuff like that, but I only ran into it actually when I started to do romantic encounters. I never even thought of that being offensive in any way because I had been doing it in my stand-up for so long. But actually, when we were doing Kickstarter, so many people were so excited about the material, and actually my ca- very Catholic relatives were not. And they were like, we, you know, and I love them, and they're amazing people, and I ne- never even occurred to me that they wouldn't be like, wow, you're doing something cool and artistic, we'd love to support it. They were like, why would you put your name on this? It's embarrassing. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, why, why, oh. The language, the the subject matter is not for everyone. That's really the first time it occurred to me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to be careful." It, not that I'm going to stop doing it, but I'm not going to go to certain. I'm not going to go to people who are going to be offended by it um, anymore. There's something about being just a lunatic with a with a microphone that gives you license to say whatever the fuck you want, and then as soon as you act it out though, and and cast other people in it that it kind of comes to life and then it becomes, ooh, that's offensive. As opposed to if it's just your act, people are, oh, that's, you know, that's just you being funny. So we'll be back to talk more about free speech and political correctness. And Yeah, because I have a bunch of little stories I want to talk about and get everyone's opinion on. So we'll be right back. Uh-oh. Will there be little vaginas? There'll be little vaginas. <laughs> None of them sitting Still at this waiting. table, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Speak for yourself. <laughs> C-sections. Thank you. <laughs> And this is Michael. We're on Love Life on T Radio V every day. No! no. Every Tuesday. Tuesdays. Every day I try to get her to have a love life. 
but every Tuesday where you can watch us and hear us only one place only hear him though 5 p.m. Pacific time T radio V we're gonna talk about love relationships sex. intimacy there'll be some sex but not between us no I don't have sex with him not often you're single we're gonna share with you what to do if you just want booty calls or be in a relationship oh you know you like booty calls I do. <laughs> what's it like to be in a relationship we always say you have to be a strong me before you can be a great we one place right here Tuesdays 5 p.m. Pacific only on T radio V right yep cool Brad is actually here right now. <laughs> I don't have the white disease. What's Whoa! <laughs> I want to see like some tiny intro. Give me some boom. Yeah, Give me some boom, bro. This is going to make us money. Ask Robert who his favorite celebrity animals are. Okay. <laughs> the animal lovers. All right, everybody, whip your out. Everybody, whip it out. We'll be right back. See, now it's. Let's do a couple things. Ready? Action. Oh, monsters. Monsters. You. <laughs> oh, that means me. Take it's God, take you're a the unreal mind. <laughs> be honest with you, I like being down there a little more because my head was. <laughs> Candy corn monsters, boom! Hi, I'm Kristen Renton, and I don't know what I'm saying. We're just world, world animalists. Right here we go. Oh, I'll just. Unreal. <laughs> unreal wall. <laughs> I mean, unless you fake it, I. Contest on night calls and they were all peeing everywhere. Everyone's like, "Can I get another diet coke?" Yeah. We want to do more. Mommy give him chills when she wear high heels. Mommy get the money, get the money, get the money. Mommy find a man who can go and get it from me. Mommy look fresh and respect me. Sweats. I never miss an opportunity. I know she picks good music for us. We're talking about how PC everyone is. Young people are so politically correct. The worst. Even comedians like uh, Jerry Seinfeld recently has been saying in Chris Rock that college kids are tough crowds now because they're so politically correct. And people have lost the art of agreeing to disagree. You yeah. Know, like I found that the college kids I've dated. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. Are pretty she's not lying, by the way. I know, she's not, you're not joking, I get it. She's Keep not going. joking, by the They're way. They're pretty open-minded. You have a better insight than anybody sitting here, so tell That's us more. That's right. I've dated more millennials than any of you have yeah, combined. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I, I think that's just the kind of uh, people that I attract generally, and I generally do like to be around young people, even uh -huh. though I'm not molesting. Um, so molesting, oh, that sounds terrible. I know. Oh, cut away, cut away, <laughs> just cut away. I'm in shame, cut away. But what I wanted oh. to talk about is I had put up a joke yesterday about uh, Donald uh, Trump and Jeb Bush about how they've been referring to to Hispanic anchor babies. And Jen, then Jeb Bush comes up and says, I'm not worried about the Hispanic anchor babies. I'm worried about the Asian anchor yeah, babies. Yeah, yeah. And so I wrote a joke of, about, you know what I'm really worried about are those white banker babies. You know, <laughs> the ones that grew up to bamboozle us and to cheat the American people. And then some guy, you know, and I put it up on Facebook, like who cares? Systematically, you know, like it got likes or whatever. And most people are very supportive. But then this one guy starts calling me a racist. You're a racist against white. And you're, you're <gasps> like, and all that, like, and, and he was Hispanic. And I was like, what? Like, this makes sure no. Are sure he wasn't at Aryan Nation 
No, 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 because he had a Hispanic name, mm. uh, uh, last name. But it was just like, so then I had to block him on my Facebook because he was getting so angry <clears throat> and then like, a, you know, kind of saying mean stuff to other people and then... So I block him, and then he goes on my Twitter and tweets me like four times, <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? You don't have the balls to hold up your position. It's like, dude, it is a joke. Yeah, you know I had I mean? two guys exchanging racial and anti-Semitic epithets on my Facebook once, like, bah, 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 and you log out for half an hour, and you come back, and it's a race war. And I just, I don't have the mental wellness to deal with that shit. Like, I can't handle that level of conflict. So I blocked both of them. And then, because <laughs> um, free speech everywhere except on my Facebook page, I'm the curator of the content. Right, right. And then immediately, suddenly, on my website, there's a troll who said, like, writing comments on my website, like, literally five minutes later, like, I don't know who this is. See, I feel so out of it because I have none of that shit. <laughs> well, that's good, though. I'm like, good. what did you do? You blocked them, and you did this, and you shut them down, and right. you went over there. It's just like, what the hell are you talking about? Do you because think everyone you loves you. Yeah, that's know, number just, one. But do you think you're cr that you would have maybe made missteps if, if Twitter was as big as it was when yeah, you were I in mean, the heyday of I've, your career? My life would have changed dramatically if we had all the social network things and the photos and the phones yeah. and the things. That's it's just really changed everything. It has and, changed. And that's everything. why I mean I stay away from it because I think it's just the roots of it is the most asinine shit I've ever come across in my life. Some dweeb makes up some platform so he can have friends because he doesn't have friends. I'm like, now, that's some dumb shit. And then he <laughs> validates himself by having millions of friends, but really he doesn't have friends, so therefore he feels important because I have a million followers. It's like, no, dumbass. You, no, you, in real life, nobody likes you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so why is this fairy tale even a reality that you're responding to? I'm like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah, yeah but I for comedians, we need it, right, Melinda Hill? Like, you need all of your no, you obsessed don't. stalker fans. <laughs> for what? Yes, you do, because they buy your albums, right? Well, they come to like her act live. No. <laughs> yes, they do. They stand outside your window. It's also, selling like the opposite of hotcakes. No, <laughs> I heard that on. SNL wins. Uh, <laughs> Zach Galifianakis, he was like, I have an album, it's selling like the opposite of hotcakes. <laughs> See, she's crediting her material again. She's a See good what girl, a good not person. Like the fat Jew. Not like the fat Jewish. No, See, now I'm going to tell you you're an anti Semite because no. it's fat at fat Jewish, not fat Jew. Okay, fat my Jewish. apologies. Okay. I, now who's, on who's that level. What is that? What is that? Oh, oh, you don't know about don't this know guy? You don't know about this guy? It's a guy who uh, ag he has an Instagram where he has like 4 million followers. And what he's been doing over the last couple of years, <laughs> I know you're like, what? <laughs> for what? <laughs> what yeah. he's been doing for the last couple of years is he's been taking other people's memes and jokes and then he'll repost them on his, but he won't give credit for the memes or the posts or, or the comedians that have actually written. A, and I and we know Marcella had one of her jokes taken. There he is. Yeah. Uh, this guy right here. Look at him. This bitch right and here. Four million people follow this fat fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well there you nice go. life. I hope they don't take that. Good luck with that. <laughs> but then he got oh a big God. agent and like a deal. And then and then all, someone posted a story about how he stole everything and they could find out, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then everybody started to rain down on him. But I I think uh, you're so lucky that you get to have this attitude. Can you play the video of the stadium shot? Uh, do you know what video I'm talking about? And by the way, the fat Jewish calls himself a curator of the internet. Now, in my opinion, when you take a tweet and you rewrite the tweet, 
and tweet it, that's not a curator. You, that's what I don't the retweet option is for. What the hell you're talking for. about? Do you understand? What's that's why you, I date okay. young people because you people go. your age you don't go. understand what the I fuck have I'm talking no about. No idea. No, because it's the difference between <laughs> retweeting something okay. so you okay, give credit. Okay, I was lost when you were talking about sports. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I feel I feel it's like vindicated. We yeah. feel, yeah. But it's the difference between just pressing retweet and then you're going this, is, and then the person's handle comes up who wrote it, as opposed to just rewriting it and being like, hey, look at this great thing that I came up with, as mm. opposed to some guy who lives in his mother's basement who's been doing open mics for 15 years trying to get one person to listen to his act. Although, to be fair, he has now started attributing credit. Yeah, but he still didn't, he didn't, yeah, he right? still right. didn't write right. those jokes. So now they're going to give a deal to someone that, that says that's, for the, that's funny, that's funny. Then go be a manager. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what do you think, Melinda Hill? What do you think of him? Well, I mean, you know, these, these comedians work so hard to come up with these these words mm -hmm. and you know a lot of times they don't have you know, even a place to live <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean they have nothing but they have these jokes and and it's like it's just wrong and i'm glad somebody called it out that that woman who wrote that article wow the power of writing an article the power of calling out bill cosby in a comedy set the power of people speaking out and i think it's nice that he's you know had to face some repercussions well this is the thing it's like we say oh the culture is too pc but then conversely on the other side there was just this thing i don't remember what university that happened a day or two ago where these uh, uh sorority guys are i guess oh yeah if, uh mm -hmm. th th they put up hung sheets off of their house saying bring your daughter here oh and bring your and bring your wife too like so drop off your mom to drop off yeah. your mom too it's nice to know we made the grade though isn't it <laughs> But yeah. then I'm so happy I get equal opportunity rape <laughs> at the universities. I, I, that made me feel good. Yeah. Go so, on. but no, it's just it's the whole point of things are so PC. But then on the other hand, social media does come in handy when something uh, egregious, that, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, is comes out, and then people can band together and and bring it to the attention. Like how much stuff went down that that because we didn't have social media back in the day, even 15, 20 years ago, that. That's a good slid, thing. That slid good, by. good. Yeah, it yeah. need to slide by. That's yeah. my point. I mean, yeah. some oh. things need to slide by. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the the president and the you know national security and secret service. That's why I call it secret service. But no, you should publish exactly what happened uh -huh. to the public. I, it just it's just too much information for me. Yeah. You're scared to go outside because oh well, my kid may be you know picked up or yeah, it's a reality, but. 40 years ago or 20 years ago, I was riding up and down South Central on the bus with my skateboard riding all over the place and my mom didn't know where I was. I was 12 years old. But were there more or less predators at that particular point in time? Who knows? But it wasn't thrown in your face every day to scare the living shit out of you. Right, that's <laughs> the thing, they do make you right? frightened. But Amber alerts and this alert, it's like, well shit, you know? It's, it happened a lot in my neighborhood, but it wasn't like to the point where we stopped living and mm -hmm. doing the things that we wanted to do because of it. We weren't scared to death. So you don't think that police, like, let's not bring race into it, but let's bring race into it for a minute. Um, is You don't think that police, like, killing black men specifically is something that is on the increase? You feel like it's always been happening always. and it's only just now being reported more, yes, recorded more? absolutely. I mean, NWA has been writing about it for years before the riots, before all this stuff that happened in L.A. We lived it. I lived it. And the only thing my dad did say is, like, they're more readily killing 
blacks than they used to. They it used to like be- beat the little... shit out of us, but now they're just like hanging us and shooting us. So it's that's getting a little bit more, but it's nothing that's ever stopped in the history of black and white people. It's always been there. Well, the way that I'm combating racism is with uh, sleeping with one black man at a time, and I. Hopefully a millennial. <laughs> I just want to. I hope you're all like cheering my effort that I'm doing because I'm doing it for America. We'll yeah, be right back. <laughs> no, actually, this is the end of the show, Susanna. Get the fuck oh. out. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> way to like, go, Susanna. What thank a place you guys to stop for coming. Uh, and thank you for sharing a wonderful stories. It went too fast. I know it goes super fast. Yeah. Melinda was all like, I don't know. I didn't have time to research. I'm like, no, it's just going to be chit chat. It's going to be great. Do you guys have anything you want to shout out? I want to shout out my Twitter at Felicia Michaels. How about for you? I'm at Melinda Hill, and I have a new show every Sunday in Silver Lake called the Melinda Hill Comedy Special. Please come to it. Find Lovely. me on Facebook. I'm at Malibu. Melinda. I'm Royce. I mean, yeah, no. there you go. <laughs> no, I think I got. Let me get this right. I'm Royce Clayton, and one of those things, Twitter or something. You oh guys my don't give a God. shit. Yeah, yeah you do. People will follow you. So Maybe what? Where are they going to follow me to? I don't know. Don't follow me. Shit, I'm going home to my kids. Don't follow me around. Shit, I'm good. <laughs> Definitely follow me around. <laughs> MalibuMom.com, at Susanna Brisk on Twitter, at The Milf Code on Instagram, and get some because look how fucking good it is, That's right? A long ass address. You got she all is this a beautiful, I got beautiful it girl. Mm, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to say that I'm going to be at the Las Vegas Improv. Uh, September 9th through the 13th. I hope to see uh, some friendly faces down there. Please give us a look and please always come and watch the MILF code. Uh, we're T- getting Radio better B. at it, right? We're and getting iTunes. better at it. Oh, it's I so I'm, hot. I think I'm in Vegas the same week as you. I'm oh. at the Laugh Factory. Oh, you are? Oh, awesome. Party we'll, we'll have blondes. to get out. Yeah, big party. And Thank bring you, your, guys. bring your real friends. Real friends should show up. Not your fake friends should actually come to the event. Like, get out your couch, get in the car, and come to the event to be a real friend. Do you really yeah. live in Los Angeles? I know. Think that I know. There are no disrespect. I'll take some fake friends, too. That's right. I'll take the fake friends. They're buying a ticket. I'll take the fake friends. Thank you guys for coming and listening for the milk code you are watching T Radio V Radio and TV